everybody. Welcome to season three of Boo My Dad Says. My name is John. And I'm Becca. And we are your tour guides through the world of the paranormal. We've got a whole lot of history, a whole lot of mystery, and a whole lot of weird. So sit back, relax, and get ready for a spine-tingling time. What's up, everybody? This is John. Howdy ho, it's Becca, of course. Who else would it be? I sure hope you all had a wonderful 4th of July weekend. I know we sure did. We just got home from the old Gatlinburg and Pigeon Forge area. Holy cow, there's a lot of people there. There was a lot of people there. I would actually have to say that it was probably more crowded as far as per square mile than Orlando. Definitely. Like you kept telling me, because I kept fussing, and he's like, there's just more space in Orlando. It's not all on one road like it is in Gatlinburg and Pigeon Forge coming up the strip. Yeah, it's just like one strip, and that's it. And several little side roads of things. But yeah, it was so, there were so many people. And yes, it was a holiday weekend. We chose this, but we had fun. Um, But yeah, we just rolled in. So I've got my cup of coffee, y'all. Okay, technically speaking, it's like 4 o'clock in the afternoon. I've not had any coffee today until now. She so, gets a little cranky when she hasn't I had her coffee. I a tiny bit cranky, but the lines were so crazy, and we wanted to, like, do the putt-putt and the go-karts and all that mess this morning, and holy cow. Like, Don't forget the bumper boats. The bumper boats. That actually was quite refreshing. It was hot. <laughs> I do have to say one thing, though. Places like this, this is where this is where it teaches kids to have gambling addictions. Oh dear. Yeah, the arcade. <laughs> I hate the arcade. We were never allowed to go to the arcade when I was a kid. Well, we went into one of the arcades there. And you know, and for those of us who are over the age of 30 and who have went to like a local carnival, do you remember those machines where you would drop the quarters in in hopes that it would it was, I guess, a plow machine or a pusher machine in hopes of your one single quarter pushing off push a whole bunch of the quarters. Well, they, they had this in. kind of machine, except it was set up for tickets, and it was based off of Willy Wonka, which I love Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. The original, excellent not the remake. Book. The an excellent book. Can I just put that in there? I haven't read the book. Of course not. Seen the movie. I have seen the movie many, many times. Yes, the book's better, as always. Anyways, so they had one of these pusher machines that was themed after Willy Wonka, and the boys just kind of got a little addicted to that. And uh, we probably, what, spent, what, 10, 12 bucks? Yeah, I mean, it wasn't crazy, because budget Nazi over here won't let anything like that happen. But the boys had fun. Regardless, though, it was fun trying to get those coins off. And they have these little cards. uh, If you collect the cards in there, uh, you get... 20 tickets per card, and if you can get the whole collection of cards plus the Wonka golden ticket, you'd get a 1,000 Nobody ever tickets. gets a Wonka ticket, though, of course. Yeah, because that part was computerized versus... AKA rigged. Know, yeah, most likely. But anyway, we had a good time. But we did pull off at least one complete set of the, the cards that the was jumped in there, yeah. of the character cards. But anyways, it was a lot of fun. We... Uh, we raced the go-karts, and I did the bumper boats. I didn't think I was ever going to get out of the bumper boats. I told the boys, I was like, just keep walking. Your dad does not want you to see this. Yes, it was <laughs> slightly embarrassing. when. No, uh, it was just, I mean, it, those are awkward to get out of if you do not have a debilitating back condition. So it was super difficult for Ojano. Yeah, and for those who don't know what she's talking about, I have a, I guess you could say it's a disease called ankylosing spondylitis. And basically what that is, is the the vertebrae in your spine decide that they want to... They're going to fuse. Fuse. You lose all your range of motion. It can bleed into your chest cavity and you can lose a heart function. Into your hips, into your ankles. And um, I I feel like my hips have actually kind of gone downhill a little bit more in the last year and a half. They're not here for our... That's true. Woes. Sorry, I apologize. <laughs> I get talking about AS, and it's one of those things I do 
kind of um, want to make a people that out there that aware of it because yeah, it is I'll say a, that too. If you are having significant long term back and or neck issues, please be your own advocate. Fight for testing. Fight for that because I, I feel like. John's was undiagnosed for probably longer than it should have been. And yes, I think, uh, it's, I it's hard, but again, you just have to be your own advocate because it's, it's a very difficult thing to pinpoint without the, the golden set of, of, of symptoms and criteria when you go to do your, um, and I mean, and it can be H&P. recognized as simple as an x-ray, but I hadn't had x-rays in a long time. Cause I just thought, well, it's just, you know, degenerative discs. It's a, but I realized that there was really something wrong when I stopped being able to turn my head maybe more than 40 degrees in any direction. And that's when I finally went to my doctor and said, look, something has got to be done. And we did x-rays and blood work. And the x-rays definitely showed uh, some fusing. And then there was some level in my blood work that was showing some elevation. Anyway, be your own advocate. Fight for yourself because nobody else will. There you go. There's your public service announcement. Yes, there's your public service. But as you guys know, the Boo My Dad Says podcast, we are on social media. We have a Facebook page, a Facebook group. We are also on Instagram and Twitter. And you can also email us. At Boo, I mean, wait, at John at Boo My Dad Says.com. Don't email Boo. Boo ain't here. <laughs> but you can also, uh, you know, tell us your personal stories. We would love to hear your personal stories or even suggestions for the show. Things that, you know, we may not have ever heard about. And we would love to have things that the listeners send in as stories for. Things to talk about. I'm trying to think. We actually had somebody send us a suggestion one time, and we used it, and it was a turned out to be a really good episode. Oh, I don't remember. Um, it it was I don't way. Remember, back. I don't remember from whence our episodes come. I just yeah. get told where to we're going and what to research. I don't remember the origin story of where we're going. Well, anywho, though, you can also go out. Find our website at boommydadsays.com. And if you would like to support our show, you can support us on Patreon or at buymeacoffee.com slash boommydadsays. You know, on Patreon, you get all sorts of cool extra stories. I do try to do some extra episodes out there. And you also get those episodes ad-free. So when we do our... uh, advertisements for like Bones Coffee or Audible or the uh, weekly advertisement where I do um, for Anchor, that's not on those. Um, you get to avoid that. Yeah. It's like, you know, the the no ads plan on Hulu. Yeah, exactly. So go for that no ads. No ads. I can't stand commercials. I guess this is like our generation problem, right? Like we can't handle commercials and we can't even handle like Grey's Anatomy, like I'll be watching that and I'll say, this this is not part of the Hulu no ads plan and we'll play with an advertisement before and after the show. And I'm like, yeah, like who's going to actually watch the one at the end of the show? Let me get through all the credits and watch your ad pass. Nope, not happening. Anyway, hit up that no ads plan. Yeah, but you know, hey, it's a, um, for me, you know, I guess I had to grow up with the commercials, so it doesn't oh, really too. bother me too bad. I'm not that much younger than you. Well, you're certainly a lot cuter. That's true. Cannot deny that. <laughs> Just kidding. So where are we going this week, dear? We are going to the wild, wild west. I feel like we should cue Yeehaw! up some. No, I was going to say some Will Smith. <laughs> the wild, the wild, 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 wild west. west. <laughs> when I bounce into the wild, wild west. Yes, that's where we're going. <laughs> um, we are headed out to Arizona today. Um, which will be pretty exciting. And the history kind of overlaps with some of the stories. So I'm going to. part of Arizona, dear? Oh, I don't know. I'm not gonna... where... I thought you knew where we was going. Are you not driving this bus? What's happening? Oh, we're going to go out to old Tombstone, Arizona. Tombstone. <laughs> that sounds scary. <laughs> Your voice is weird. 
Oh, oh I hate that rabbit. Okay, Bugs Bunny. What's that? Yosemite Sam, dear. Whatever, but it's on the Bugs Bunny show, a.k.a. Looney Tunes. <clears throat> I know where it's from. Come on. Give me One that. of my hidden talents is doing uh, cartoon voices. It's not hidden because you... You're well, yeah, I guess it's not hidden <laughs> now, is it? It's not so hidden, is it? No, no, it's not. Well, dear, tell us a little bit about Tombstone, Arizona, so and what Tombstone, to expect. So, what do you mean, what to expect? I don't understand that. Well, but. what to? Uh, what would you? What would you expect to see if you just all so, of a sudden rolled into town on your uh, four-wheeled if, horse? If I was rolling in in my Honda Pilot, you wouldn't see very much because it is definitely it is much smaller area than it used to be. So, Tombstone is in Cochise County, Arizona. It is in the very southeast corner of Arizona. It's like 30 miles from the Mexico border. Like, it's way southeast. South. South. It's way south um, in the west. Um, it was founded in 1877 by a prospector, Ed Shiflin, in what was known then as Pima County, Arizona Territory. It became one of the last boom towns on the American frontier, and they, of course, the town grew significantly into the mid-1880s as um, the mining industry was really taking off and booming then. Um, so it was established in this area called Goose Flats. It was a mesa above the Goodenough Mine. Within two years of its founding, although far distant from any other me- metropolitan area, Tombstone had a bowling alley, had four churches, an ice house, a school, two banks, three newspapers, ice cream parlor. <laughs> then get this. Can we just throw in here hashtag priorities? 110 saloons and 14 gambling halls. Oh, but you they, know ice cream is like my top priority. They only had one ice cream parlor, but you could get smashed at 110 saloons. Um, they had <laughs> numerous, we don't even know how many, dance halls and brothels. All of these, Bounce, wow, wow. All these businesses were situated among and atop many of the silver mines. The gentlemen and ladies of Tombstone attended operas, which were presented by visiting acting troops and opera troops um, at the Shefflin Opera House, while the miners and cowboys saw shows at the Birdcage Theater in Brothel. So the finer folks went to the opera. Some of the less finer clientele, they just hung out at the Birdcage Theater, and they frequented the brothels. So, of course, being Tombstone, we know in the world we live in, back in the 70s, 80s, 90s, there were so many movies about this area. Um, they are traditionally, they're all centered around the OK Corral and the the duel, the family, the family dueling people here, where there was the main source of conflict and tension was that the mining capitalists and the townspeople were largely Republicans from the northern states. Many of the ranchers which was also part of the Clanton family. They were also the rustlers. They were some of the criminal varieties, but they were mostly Confederate sympathizers and Democrats. The booming city was— Oh, I really, really want to say something right now, but I'm not. (laughs) Please don't. The booming city, again, was 30 miles from the Mexico border, and it was an open market for cattle stolen from ranches from Sonora, Mexico. And there was a bunch of um, loosely organized— Outlaws known as the Cowboys, and they were, um, let's see, there. And then, of course, the Earp Brothers, which I'm sorry, that's just a really weird name. Earp, Earp. Excuse me. No, really, it's like a burp. <laughs> the Earp Brothers, Wyatt, Virgil, and Morgan, as well as Doc Holliday, they came in late seven, 1879 and through mid 1880. The Earps had ongoing conflicts with the Cowboys, which were the Clanton family, the McClory family, and the Claiborne family. The Cowboys repeatedly threatened the Earps over many months. This conflict— That was their first mistake. —escalated into a shootout on October 26, 1881. Side note, it did not happen in the OK Corral or at the OK Corral, but it happened near the OK Corral. Um, It was actually occurred a short distance away in an empty lot on Fremont Street but it sounds better to say the shootout at the OK Corral instead of the shootout at Fremont Street. Yeah, but didn't it all kind of originate there and just kind of move that direction? That's not what I found. Did you find something different? Well, one of the things that I had found was that the the town of Tombstone, they had uh, outlawed guns in the uh, city limits. 
because, well, mainly to try to prevent the Clantons from causing a problem. And I'm just seeing. Yeah, Virgil and Wyatt were, um, they had been sent out to the OK Corral because they, they said, so here we go. For weeks, the Clantons and McClowries boasted how they were planning to shoot the Earps, trying to bully them which usually worked for them, and they started to send warning notes to their brothers to leave Tombstone or be shot dead. The Tombstone City Council voted to ban guns and weapons in town, and all weapons must be dropped off at the livery stables found on the outskirts of town before entering Tombstone. Tombstone. Is that like a scone? Yeah, Tombstone. Maybe blackberry, blueberry. What kind of scone <laughs> you having up in there? Virgil and Wyatt started to forcefully collect guns. They took... Ike Clanton's gun and moved on to Billy Claiborne, relieving him of his gun. Billy Clanton, Tom McClowry, and Frank McClowry still had their guns and were waiting, hoping the the Earp brothers would ask them for their guns, giving them the opportunity to shoot. Ike Clanton and Billy Claiborne joined them, even though they were unarmed. When Virgil and Wyatt Earp heard that they had that the bad ones were waiting for them at the OK Corral, they picked up reinforcements, Doc Holliday and Morgan Earp. The Earp squad. Backup squad there. So the Earp squad entered the vacant the lot. The Earp squad? The Earp squad. Oh, dear. <laughs> this is not going well. Entered the vacant lot uh, and alley next to the OK Corral where they faced these surly lawbreakers, which with bad attitudes. And with a Don't need most for revenge. Lawbreakers have bad attitudes. I feel like that's kind of like calling. So I feel like it kind of started at the corral, but it kind of moved into that open space. Hmm. But well, possibly. So. so anyway, so oh, real quick, um, they named one reason it got named Tombstone. Um, there's a couple different theories floating out there. When this Ed Shiflin guy, he was a very briefly, he was a scout for the U.S. Army, and he came across this. Um, land out here, and he decided that, you know, he was going to settle it and whatever, and that one of his, I guess, army people, his compatriots, whatever, somebody told him, they're like, the only rock you're going to find out there will be your own tombstone. But in another version of the story, better take your coffin with you, Ed. You will only find your tombstone there and nothing else. So they they kind of just, obviously, that just lends, lends the story. The, the story lends itself to tell you that there was nothing out there. So, of course, all this mining happens. And at its peak, it was really interesting. Um, get over to this part here. So at its peak, talking about the silver mining and all of that, they had this land, and there, there's a lot of estimates of the gold and silver that was mined out of the course of Tombstone's history. The Tombstone mines produced 32 million troy ounces, which is 1,000 metric tons of silver. That's more, a lot of silver. More than any other, sil- any other mining district in Arizona. In 1883, writer Patrick Hamilton estimated that during the first four years of activity, the mines produced about 25 million which is 694 million today. Um, that that's how much it produced as far as business-wise, whatever. Um, other estimates include that it actually made even more than that, and it was closer to between 40 and 80 million, which was about 1.15 billion to two and a half billion today. Oh um, my which gosh! Is crazy, crazy town. Um, so all of this happened. Mining was an easy task back in Tombstone in the early days. Ore was rich and close to the surface. One man could pull out ore equal to what three men would pull out elsewhere. Um, they got quite wealthy. And again, all the things that they had, this town, they had um, quite a ethnic variety of people there as well. There were Chinese immigrants. There were French. There was, um, where did I find that page? There was, oh, there was English, there was Irish, there was, I mean, there was a very large um, smorgasbord of people that lived there. Um, Oh, I can't find it now. It's gone. But anyway, but the Chinese people, their industry was laundry, the Chinese laundry. The Chinese did the town's laundry and provided other services. The cowboys ran the countryside and stole cattle from the haciendas over in Mexico. Um, But there was all these places to eat. There was all these different restaurants. 
it became a pretty um, upscale, pretty nice place there for a little bit. The investors um, put so much into it, put so much into it. There was so much construction and restaurants and hotels, but the immigrants um, were the were the the ones who who built who actually built the city and who made it what it was. Um, the the tycoons, I guess you would say. Um, there was an anti-Chinese league, which was formed in the 1880s, and they boycotted the Chinese businesses and workers. The mines and stamping mills, they ran three shifts. They essentially got paid 24 hours a week to work their butts off in these mines. There was about 6,000 men working in Tombstone, and they generated more than $168,000 per week, which is about $4.5 million today in income. Mostly, they were young, single, and they spent their harder money on Allen Street. And that was the street that was open 24 hours Young a day. and single and ready to mingle. Ready to make some <laughs> money and blow it on Allen Street. So the respectable folks, again, they saw, they. it, it kind of reminded me of Charleston. Like you had north of Broad or slightly north of Broad. Like you had these different areas, these districts um, of where things were located and what, what was the nice side of town and the not nice side of town. So, of course... Um, the, the Birdcage Theater was the wildest. This is what the New York Times said. It was the wildest, wickedest night spot between Basin Street and the Barbary Coast. The Birdcage remained open for 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year until it closed its doors in 1889. Respectable women stayed on the north side of Allen Street. Then the prostitutes worked the saloons on the south side in the southeast quarter of the town. Um... In 1881, Tombstone had more than 7,000 citizens, including the Chinese, the Mexicans, the women, the children, all the residents. At the height of the town's boom, the official population reached about 10,000, um, but there were several more that were uncounted even at that point. Of course, like all these old towns, there were several fires that destroyed lots of things, that destroyed much of the original town. The mine eventually struck water, and um, it... It was crazy because they were removing like 576,000 gallons of water every 24 hours out of some of these mines. Um, which, like, hey, you should start a, a bottle. You got to start a bottling, a water bottling company or something. Um, Nobody drank on. water in the old west. I know. Why would you drink water when you have, you have whiskey? The, um, so, anyway, so it, keeps, it goes on and on. And so the mines were flooding. People, decided to kind of start leaving at that point. Um, at this time, this is like around late 1890s, early 1900s. It was mo- mainly a goat, a ghost town. Um, tourism and Western memorabilia are the main commercial enterprises today. Um, There's still up several hundred people that come through each day to go see Boot Hill Cemetery and Highway 80 and see where the birdcage was, but it is certainly not the booming metropolis like Pigeon Forge. Um, We'll just say that. They, uh, let's see. I thought this was really interesting too. Like even today in the, what did I say, 2010 census, I think? Yes. Like 18% of the population was at or under the poverty line. Um, so obviously, it's it's still a very struggling area, um, and even well, if you think about it in proportion, though, that is, is that you not know bad? that's pretty bad in comparison to you know these guys pulling out all this silver back in the days. You know, they were probably you know if you sound the way it sounds like you know they were doing a lot better than some of the folks who live out there now. Oh, yeah, because at least there was money to, there was money to be had, money to be made, work to be had. Now there's there's not a whole lot um for sure in the in 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 today's area, today's demographic. Um, we're not gonna really talk about climate because that's crazy. There are two schools in 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 Cochise County there. The unified school district serves Tombstone. There's an elementary school and a high school, and that's it. And there's not a lot left other than that. So pretty much this place is definitely the epitome of ghost town. Yeah, it's a pretty sad place, I think. I don't think I want to visit that on my Western tour, dear. I would like to visit it. Okay, I'll make you a deal. If you let me go to California, we'll hit we'll hit Tombstone while we're out there. How's that for a deal? We're gonna <laughs> mm. I'm getting the stink eye. 
<laughs> did we talk about this last week about how? Oh, we did because I, I was telling him about my big plans to go visit Redwood and Alcatraz and Yosemite and like Tahoe. I want to go see all of that. So we'll as hit long Arizona. As I can do a paranormal investigation at the OK Corral. As long as I don't have to be there, <laughs> I'll wait on the bus. Oh, they're a lot of fun. You need to try it at least once. No. <laughs> I'm not giving in to peer pressure, man. Well, anyways, speaking of paranormal investigations, let's sweat, segue into uh, our ghostly encounters in the city of Tombstone. And I'm going to hit up three three different locations. They are many, many more, but the uh, three that I thought I would look at that we kind of covered in the... Uh, History was, you know, we're going to look at the streets, the ghosts haunting the actual streets of Tombstone. We're going to look at the OK Corral, and we are going to look at the famous Boot Hill Cemetery, which I'm surprised that Becca didn't mention that, actually. I had a lot of history to cover. We'd be here all day if I read the 57 pages that I found. That's a lot of history. It's a lot of history. And a lot of it, like, it's stuff about the climate and about... Um, how many actual ounces of ore was mined? I tried to just do the highlights. Yeah, some of the basic history we do we do look for, and we find a lot of good stuff on like Wikipedia and things like that. So, uh, pretty much that stuff. No matter where you look for it, no matter what you do, it's all going to come out the same. So that our our history portion a lot of time does come from places like Wikipedia and well because you can't really like create history it's not that's not the definition of history you're telling you what happened and it's going to be the same whether I get it from a book or from a website or from whatever mm -hmm. it's all history it just sounds a lot better when you say it dear oh that's right that's right this smoochy, glowing smoochy. this glowing personality over here smoochy smoochy peach bit kiss kiss love love Whatever, keep going. We're ridiculous. <laughs> All right, let's talk about the the ghosts that are that have been found in the streets of Tombstone. The streets of Tombstone themselves are said to be the pathways of many a lingering spirit. One of which is the long dead Marshal Fred White, who was accidentally shot by cowboy faction leader Curly Bill Brocius on October twenty eighth, eighteen eighty. While the first marshal of Tombstone had gained the respect of the Clanton gang and, in fact, had arrested cowboy members on several occasions, rarely having any problems when doing so. In the early morning of October 28th, Curly Bill and several of his cohorts, cohorts were making sport by shooting up the town. When White went to disarm the gunman, he was shot accidentally um, and he was actually hit in the groin. Ouch. That probably wasn't an accident then. Uh, yeah, because if those guys had meant to actually shoot him, he would have died instantly. Okay. Most likely. Uh, though this was though it was thought that he would make a full recovery, um, two days later he died. Today, it is said that he haunts the street in front of the shooting site, which was an empty lot where the Birdcage Theater was built a year later. Another cowboy that, um, of a, um, another cowboy, that of a man moving along in a long black frock coat, has also been seen on several occasions. Crossing the road, the apparition is often seen near the site where Virgil Earp was ambushed and shot in the arm, crippling him for life. The spirit never makes it across the street, leading many to believe that this may be the ghost of Virgil Earp himself. That sounds very much like a residual spirit there if it keeps happening over and over again. If you say so. I say so. Okay. <laughs> A woman in a long white dress has also been spied on the tombstone streets. What one legend tells that she is a fretful mother whose child died from yellow fever in the 1880s and devastated she took her own life. You know, it seems like, dear, that a lot of our stories from history, have you noticed how it seems like a lot of the stuff revolves around yellow fever? It was quite... Talk about uh, we talked about that yeah. last week when we were yeah. talking about the the epidemic and the pandemic and how much more 
the yellow fever, how many more lives it cost even in one year than, I mean, and I'm not, I'm not discounting our current situation, but yes, I mean, that was, pandemics are not new. They're new for us because we've had a pretty healthy life. Yeah, like New Orleans, that that was a major mm -hmm. thing in New Orleans was yellow fever. Savannah looks like a tombstone. So it seems like yellow fever is definitely a reoccurring theme in a lot of our historical a lot of um, these early towns sites. and early histories of these places. But getting back to this lady, uh, she they said she took her own life. And another version of the tale claims that she was a brothel madam who was hanged and continues to stalk the streets searching for her executioners. Was it on Allen Street? You know, it did not say. That would be, that could give us an indication of where, uh, what to, which, if she was the brothel owner or just a regular old lady. Lawlessness, though, was not the only cause of numerous deaths during Tombstone's heydays. Twice it suffered terrible fires, the first in June of 1881 and a second in May of 1882. During these two infernos, which both wiped out significant business district areas, more than 40 men lost their lives in the crowded saloons and brothels that burned to the ground. These long-dead suffering men are said to make themselves known, appearing complete with drastic burns. Others have reported the smell of smoke and burning materials when there is no explainable reason. And I can definitely say I have experienced like the smells. Uh, when I was at the Chester Inn, there uh, we were in like the um, kind of like a sitting room area, and I caught a whiff of cigars. Hmm. Interesting. So I could definitely see how sometimes smells can uh, trigger or can be triggered by stuff like that. Now, we're going to move on over to the OK Corral, and we've talked about the history, about what happened, and so I'm going to just talk about some of the spirits that have been uh, seen. People are determined to finish an important task or to uh, fulfill revenge against an enemy, but are killed before they are able to do so and can be restless and grounded in this world. They're often stuck in the moment or hours before their death, trying to accomplish what they failed to do, at seeing if they can change the outcome. Thus, I think there's a lot of that is residual haunting. They may, be, they may try to pretend that they are still alive, Several of the cowboys are sorely disappointed and even angry and more determined not letting death stop them. Some spirits are not ready to admit that they are dead and try to continue, sometimes saying, staying where they died, especially if they died at the hands of another. Other spirits of cowboys who died here at the, and we're at the uh, OK Corral, um, still linger sometimes getting some chuckles at the expense of the innocent tourists. The uh, spirit People are laughing at the ghosties. No, the ghosts are getting chuckles at oh, the spooking ghosts are the, people. Laughing at the people. Yeah. Hmm. The spirit of Justin Justice Jim Burnett still goes about his business and the spirit of Morgan Earp still tries to fit in even as a spirit. Now Morgan Earp, just a little side note, he was actually shot in the back at um it wasn't at the OK Corral. He was shooting pool. And I think it was it was actually after the OK Corral fight. Um, he was at a pool hall, and he was shot in the back and killed. Um, so, yeah, his spirit still lingers around there. Hmm. Uh, but specifically, we're going to be talking about the spirit of Billy Clanton. And he likes to uh, keep watch for the Earp Brothers on the corner of 5th Street and East, Allen Street. There's that Allen Street again. Allen Street, yeah. The, the street of ill repute. It does. It's a lady of questionable morals are working on that street. Mm -hmm. The spirit of Billy Clanton is also thought to visit the Birdcage Theater. There's that place again. And sit in the Clanton's box on the side of the wall. We may have to do the Birdcage, Birdcage Theater sometime as its own episode because I bet I've heard that it's quite haunted too. 
But yeah, it is thought to sit in the Clanton's box on the side of the wall when a mannequin of Wyatt Earp was placed in the Clanton box seat. Staff would find Earp's hat in the middle of the floor in the morning. When the mannequin had been turned around, they did some research and discovered their mistake and removed the mannequin. During the day, an unseen presence or two makes their presences known in the OK Corral area. One visitor reported that a presence walked right through him and and sounds like a kind of like a spirit bully just trying to stir up some stuff there. Spirits bully? A spirit bully. Spirit bully. Okay. Yeah. You know, causing some trouble. Trouble. Shadows and apparitions have been seen lingering around. When spirits with their gu- with guns started reliving that day, that when they died, shooting in the OK Corral, it's thought that one of the spirits was Billy Clanton, still trying to kill the Earth Boys. The spirits of Morgan and perhaps the spirit of Virgil and other spirits are on the other side of the battle. Footsteps are heard inside and outside the corral and outside the area. Disembodied voices have also been heard. Hmm. And I tell you, that the disembodied voices, that is so weird. I actually had that happen at the Chester Inn. I don't need to hear about this. I think I fear, I think I hear my dryer buzzing. It was a friendly. It was very friendly. Yeah. Is it Casper? It was. It just basically said we were we were doing a spirit box session, and instead of it sounding like it came the the voice came out, it actually sounded like it was in the room. It, it said hello. Okay. It was. I mean, it really sounded like it was right in there. So now we're going to we're talking about the spirit of Justice Jim Burnett. He is described as being a tall, thin man with a, a brim hat. His apparition is clearly seen entering the old office building behind the OK Corral and walking slash floating down the street near the OK Corral. Uh, one staff member caught this spirit peeking at him through the blinds of the, of the building. Hmm. So that's pretty interesting. I think I would like to go visit Tombstone. Like I said, we'll put it on the list as long as I get to see some of the stuff I want to see. I will, you can humor me on seeing the things I want, and I'll humor you, and we can hit your ghosty places. Well, I could always do the uh, ghost tour at Alcatraz also. That would be great. I would love to go see Alcatraz. Now, give me some criminals. Like, I can talk about criminals all day. You don't want to mess with criminal ghosts. No, 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 not the ghosts. I just want to, I just like to hear about the stories. I mean, I like serial killers. Well, last but certainly not least, we're going to be hitting up the Boot Hill Cemetery. Now, if y'all remember when we did Pioche, Nevada, they had a Boot Hill Cemetery, and I referenced the Boot Hill Cemetery here in Tombstone. I said not to get the two mixed up. Well, now this is the is this Boot the Hill. the original or the, the encore? This is the famous Boot Hill Cemetery. Okay, so it this, came first. Well, I wouldn't say it necessarily came first, but Boot Hill cemeteries are named basically for men who died with their boots on. Okay. The Boot Hill Cemetery was used between 1878 and 1884. And for a short tenure, it was actually called Tombstone Cemetery, by which it was known until Frederick Beach Dolt's travels to Tombstone in 1919. Beach Dolt or Betch Dolt uh, was, it's B-E-C-H-D-O-L-T. He was a Western writer and he renamed it. It's probably Beckdolt, actually. Beckdolt. Yeah, that does sound better. I'll take her, uh, I'll take her word for My that one. pronunciation there. Yeah, Beckdolt. I, I like that. But he was a Western writer and he renamed the cemetery Boot Hill. There are few internments at Boot Hill, likely because Tombstone City Cemetery was established in 1884. Boot Hill had primarily interred outlaws. Relatives of law-abiding citizens exhumed and reburied their loved ones in the new cemetery, leaving Boot Hill to the dead criminals, which may explain the poltergeist attitudes of Boot Hill's ghosts. I like that, the the poltergeist attitudes. Yes. That's kind of funny. I'm sorry. 
So I'm going to give you a few notable interments. Um, some of the notable interments were Marshal Fred White, who was killed by the Curly, Curly Bill Brokius, and Tom and Frank McClory. Uh, they were buried alongside Billy Clinton. Curly Bill and the McClory's, <laughs> sounds like the Three Stooges, <laughs> uh, <laughs> were lost to the gunfight at the OK Corral. And then there was also Jack Dunlop, who was, uh, was I guess he was known as Three-Fingered Jack, and he was shot to death during an attempted holdup. Oops, I guess uh, you need to make sure, if you're going to hold somebody up, you need to make sure you're not going to be the one who dies. There you go. So, travelers report seeing uh, spectral shadows Strange lights and spooky sounds in Boo Hill's gift shop. Yeah, it has a gift gift shop. A gift shop at the cemetery. Well, I mean, what it is a tourist. Freaks? It is a tourist location now. I guess. Um, merchandise is unexplicably misplaced, disturbed, and disheveled. Steal it. The sweatshirt rack rotates on its own. Got one for that one, dear. It's a stiff breeze. Untouched by human hands. I didn't then, say there's no hands. <laughs> and then photographs reveal apparitions unseen to the naked eye. Sure. Got that one? You got anything for that mm, one? I'm, I'm all out, I reckon. All right. I probably shut her up, he's thinking. <laughs> yes. Score. I'm chipping away at her. Yeah, right. And uh, spirit photography has also been a big thing at Boot Hill. Um Pictures are taken at the site and often reveal unaccountable guests. They just weren't paying attention when they snapped the photo. Yeah. Unlike other spectral occurrences, these apparitions appear most often in the daylight. One infamous image recorded a man wielding a knife behind female relatives. However, both women allege that they had been alone. Who are these phantom fugitives? That's the thing. They allege. That's a very excellent way to put that. They allege it. Now, here's a good one. Whispers from an unmarked grave. One journalist once overheard a strange small voice. The journalist had stopped at an unmarked grave where he could where he could make out a tenuous whisper. It was nice of you to do that. Startled, the journalist stepped back. He assumed that he had mistaken the sound. Yet, once the journalist stepped forward, once more, the voice again spoke, you came back. You must like to play with me a lot. The voice sounded confident, yet childlike. But it was when the voice began to laugh that the journalist panicked. He detected a human-like shadow from the corner of his eye, a spectral figure sneaking through the stones. The journalist was Struck dumb, shell-shocked, the poltergeist disappeared, and the unmarked grave was all that remained. Hmm. Interesting. Now, we also have the ghost of a lady named China Mary. A lady named China? So China Mary. Or a y. China Mary. Right, but China could be spelled with a Y. C-H-I-N-A. Got it, like the country. Like the country. Okay. The image Is of a woman... Chinese? I don't know. We'll find out. <laughs> German? No. A German uh, I would say, um, well, I think it's I think it's a nickname. But well, no, I I'm really looking at my notes here. Um, yeah, she may be Chinese. Okay. So sorry. Continue. The image of a woman in red is sometimes spotted at Boo Hill. Lady in red. <laughs> Locals believe her to be China Mary, a significant figure in Tombstone's history. Mary, or Sing Choi, was an astute businesswoman who operated Tombstone's general store and controlled Tombstone's opium dens. The opium. Yeah. Mary supplied hops to the uh, women of Tombstone's red light district. Two, serving as sort of as a godfather, except she's a lady. Well, She was yeah. the mafia boss. Yeah. She was like kind of like a godfather to the Tombstone community. And, but she was a generous woman. She was known for her kindness as well as her compassion. 
She was a nice mob boss. Yeah. So I guess, you know, I have to go in like, I'm going to have to like, you know, go to the mattresses, you oh, know. Dear. You know, take the gun, leave the cannoli. Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Wednesday. There you go. But Mary died of a heart attack in 1906, and she is interred at Boot Hill. Is that why she frequents the uh, burying ground today? Is she Tombstone's woman in red? Well, I guess that is for you to decide. The uh, ghost of Billy Clanton, which we mentioned on the streets of Tombstone, he is also said to frequent the uh, Boot Hill Cemetery, which makes sense because that's where he's buried. Some say that he patrols the property before making his way down Allen Street. I guess that probably answers that question from earlier where you said that he was, you know, asking where he was at. Clinton was shot dead in the gunfight at the OK Corral, so it is likely that his poltergeist remains near the site of the shootout. Clinton was buried in Boot Hill. However, his specter tends to lurk about in both locations. So, stepping away a little bit from the paranormy, paranormy, the paranormy. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Those paranormies so, are what you got to watch for. Yeah. Stepping away from the paranormal for just a minute into the realm of the weird, uh, some believe that there is a hidden treasure in Boot Hill. Oh, treasure. Yeah. Ooh, that's fun. In August of 2009, Lost Treasure suspected that a small fortune, I guess Lost Treasure might have been a show or something. Maybe a show. Group because the way it wrote is like in August of 2009, Lost Treasure suspected that a small fortune was stashed near the grave of Dutch Annie. Cody Polston records in the story of Haunted Tombstone. The Can Can, here's the like what makes them think that the Can Can restaurant was famous in the day for its food. It sold lobster and imported fish from Mexico and they and had a hired hunter who kept the cafe supplied with fresh meat. It was this man who stole a significant sum of money from the Can Can. I can't get over that name, the Can Can. And so was like this is like a club, right? Or a bar. Or something. Um, like it said it was a restaurant. Restaurant, the Can Can. But he was later caught. He said that he buried the score not far from Boot Hill, but it was never found. The bandit died before anyone was able to locate the loot. So is this bounty at Boot Hill? That would be a really cool thing to find out. It would be. Yeah. Put it on our list. Well, dear, I'm thinking we are going to do... Uh, we need to take a road trip. A trip to uh, Tombstone. And I am also thinking that I would like to do an episode on the um, Birdcage Theater. Well, you're the planner, babe. You have to put that out there. I just do what you tell me. Yeah, we may uh, do a episode on the Birdcage Theater all by itself because it sounds like is there, there is a lot. It? I think there is a lot on it out hmm. there, actually. Very good. So I think we can uh, do a whole episode on that season, by maybe? itself. Next season or soon? Maybe soon. Oh, dear. Can How about giving us a uh, thumbs up on that? deviating from the plan. Well, no, there's still room in season three to add some shows because I've still got the uh, second half of the season to uh, work okay. through. So that may be uh, in the uh, plans for after our trip to St. Augustine. And yes, that's right. We actually have a trip to St. Augustine coming up in September, and I'm going to do an investigation at the St. Augustine Lighthouse. And I'm going to go hang out at the pool with my cousin. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go. So we're going to listen to one of our favorite podcasters. I say our, really, John's. Um, he really likes them. I've heard him a few times. They're good. Um, but anyway, we're going to do a live show to hear a live show with them and to attend that. And he's going to go do the ghosty things, and I will catch up on this history. I'll do some history research. Yeah, in yeah the, the, uh, the podcast that she's referring to is the History Goes Bump podcast with uh, Diane and Kelly, and they are teaming up with the uh, Killbilly Horror Stories uh, with Tracy, Tracy, with Tracy and Jerry, Polly, 
and um, we're going down to see their show, and then they're they're offering a um, investigation of the lighthouse, and I signed up to go do that, and it's going to be exciting. I'm going to really enjoy this. I think. Yeah, I think it'll be good. And I mean, again, I'll be I'll check out all the history books in Savannah. I mean, in St. Augustine, I'll just do all that tourist. I can give you more information on the tourist. Well, I'm, I'm excited about meeting some other podcasters in this genre. That's what I'm excited about. Actually, maybe getting the chance to Who make am some I friends. I don't care where we're going. I'm always down for a road trip, though. I she love does to travel. love to travel. I do. If I had all the money. I married a nomad. Yeah, but I don't want to move there. I just like to travel. The world is an incredible place. That's what I keep telling John. I'm like, yeah, you know what? Like, there are so many incredible things just in our country, in our region, in the Southeast, like things we've never seen. And I want to see it all. Like, I think it's exciting to travel and go see things I've never seen before. So that's going to be, that's one of my goals this year and next is to like to really, and a lot of these places I want to go to, I mean, it, you know, we could do it in a long weekend. We could go see lots of things. So, Well, folks, that's this week's episode. I hope you all have enjoyed it. If you like our show, go out and give us a rating and review on uh, Apple uh, Podcasts because that helps us to show up better in the search algorithms and it gives other people the opportunity to see what we're about. I want to uh, thank all the listeners for all of the, you know, the kind words that we get um, on the uh, reviews and for the group that had the people that's in our group and just thank you guys. We really appreciate your listenership and it just really inspires us to keep going. Well, dear, I think it's time for us to hit the road. What do you think? I think it's time to hit the road and go find some dinner. I'm hungry. It is getting about that time. (laughs) All right, y'all have a fantastic week and we'll see you next time. All right. Good night. God bless my friends. (laughs) 